want to set the world on fire I just want to start a flame in your heart Hello everyone, welcome back to Uncanny Treks as we talk about the penultimate episode of Star Trek Picard. That's right, it's called Vox. May sound vaguely familiar if you remember the name Locutus. It originally aired on the 13th of April, 2023. I am Bob in Cascadia, that is Matt in the Southland. Matt, how the hell are you doing tonight? I got a theory at the end of this episode about what's going to happen that's going to blow your mind. Oh no, Matt sitting in front of the dry erase board, he's got string all tied up, his hair looks all crazy, he hasn't slept in three days. I think he's freebasing. I want to point out that some of my theories have been correct. This is true, this is true. Especially those in this episode. It has not been to the show's benefit when they were proved correct. That's not your fault, that's the show's fault, but still. Sometimes I like to think I made it in my mind and it just came real. (laughs) (laughs) Matt, I think you might be a psychic. Matt, before we talk about Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 9, Vox, uh, you know, as we often like to begin, I feel like I have to begin by pointing out what the Paramount Plus algorithm threw at me, which is, did you know that a few years ago there was a Showtime limited series about Waco? It stars Michael Shannon? No. Uh, I got a similar ad, but I, don't, I didn't pay much attention, so maybe I just... I've got to the point now where I can like f- just completely ignore ads powerful that's powerful i wonder for my wife because i kept pointing out ads on tv all the time and she's like i don't even watch those so i don't know why you're telling me about them your wife's a wise woman Matt. she's a wise woman apparently it came out like maybe like 2017 and at least one friend says it's very good but they're doing a sequel they're doing waco the aftermath still starring michael shannon so that was the ad we saw that you uh, blocked from your mind yeah there was a second advertisement that you did pay attention And you regretted paying attention to it. Yeah, and the only reason it sparked my interest was because it was Star Trek related. You know, when the algorithm works, Mm. the algorithm actually works. It's for Strange New World Season 2, Bob. It was an extremely crappy promo. Like, can't they just show the ship flying by and say Strange New World Season 2 coming soon? Like, why's it got to be this, like, weird... It it was like they were playing with action figures. It was so dumb. Yeah, they made, like, dioramas for each character. I I don't know. Yeah. And they would do, like, the flip the camera trick. It was very lame. And then, also, just to let listeners know, uh, tune in next week, and we'll talk about the finale of Star Trek Picard. And then we will, of course, be back in June. I believe Strange New World comes back on June 15th. We'll be back in June, resuming our Strange New Worlds Legion of Superheroes coverage. And in between, we'll have a lot of goodies for listeners. You know, we'll talk about Supergirl, we'll talk about Superman, we'll talk about Black Panther. So it'll be a good month and a half in between now and the return of Strange New Worlds here on Uncanny Trek. So join us for that. All right, Bob, let's dive into this episode. Yeah, Matt, do you want to walk us through the A plot of Vox? Which also, you know, I I just don't really think there was a B plot. It's just an A plot. Says Troy finds out what's behind the red door, so Jack flees the Titan shortly, followed by the Next Generation crew. That's what happens, Matt. So I will say that there is something deeply satisfying about Troy's kind of counselor mindset of we can work through anything, and then it immediately cracks when she sees what's behind the red door and she runs from the room. Yeah, it reminds me of the beginning of Ghostbusters when they're in the library and they think they know what they're doing. They have all their equipment and stuff. The library ghost turns around and just scares the shit out of them and they, they like run across the entire campus. Mm-hmm. Bob? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, well, damn, Bob. I guess my, my Ghostbusters references seem to bore you. I, 
I just don't have anything. I I damn, like, Bob. I saw them as a kid and I didn't. I don't really watch the damn that. Ghostbusters movie as an adult, please. Just the nineteen the nineteen eighty four. Watch it. You'll love it. I promise. It's good shit. My my, my question, Bob, though, is should Troy be that afraid of the Borg? They did nearly destroy the Federation twice and nearly destroy the Enterprise, uh, you know, two more times, not counting the Federation time. So I guess so. But she knows it's just, it's just a vision and it's a Borg cube. Like, what is she? I think she also senses the power of the Borg within Jack. And oh. so she's worried about being compromised or like, you know, mind controlled by him. And I think she's also, like, very concerned, you know, since this is the son of her dear friends. I think she's very concerned on that level. So He's like a Borg bomb. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She, she's, treat, she's treating him like an explosive, which he kind of is. Yeah, exactly. I guess, like, in hindsight, the only thing that ever would have made sense is the Borg. I guess we all should have seen that coming. Eh. Yeah, I mean, a part of me understands why they went with the big bad of the next generation for the reunion. But I feel like it would have been better if Picard had not continued traveling back to that well each and every season. Every season. Yeah. And it would also be better, like, like they literally in this episode, they say that they have not seen the Borg in a decade. But, like, this literally is in the same year that we just saw Gerardi as the Borg Queen and a different big fleet of starships, you know, diffuse another weird subspace anomaly. And like, you know, I, I like literally I went back and rewatched the season two finale, Matt, because I was like, how are they ignoring this? Why? Like, why are they acting like no one has ever seen a Borg in 10 years? And I was like, did they wipe it out by time travel? Did that never happen at the end of season two finale? No, it happened. And yes, I know you can lawyer it and technically be like, well, Gerardi Borg Queen is a different you know, sect of the Borg, and they're talking about the main sect of the Borg that no one's seen in 10 years. But it's really, really damn stupid, and it, it makes me angry. Bob, the Girardi Collective is not the real Borg. Not the real thing, Matt. They're not like Coca-Cola. It's not the real thing. No. <laughs> also, Matt, can I just say that, like, I think we were still a little Stockholm syndromed by watching all of Picard season two. I didn't go back and listen to our episode on Picard season two finale, but I don't think we appreciate it at the time how truly, truly awful that episode of television is. <laughs> I know we hated season two, Bob. Just watching the finale, no context, just, just, it's like, oh my God. Like Wesley shows up as a God Q's dying for no reason and is being sentimental for Picard in a way that makes no sense at all, given the prior history of the characters. And they just summarily write like Rios and Talon off the show. And then, you know, in retrospect, it's also them writing Elnor and Gerardi off the show, even though that wasn't as obvious. At, you know, it was obvious that Rios and Talon weren't coming back, but... Elnor and Gerardi also get rid of the show. It's what a piece of shit that Picard <laughs> season two finale was. Matt. It it blows my mind. It, it, it if anything, it does make me like these episodes slightly more. They're bad, but man, they're not nearly as bad as Picard season two. I, I didn't like season two for the most part at all. 
remember I disliked the finale, but I did enjoy like some of the hijinks of like Gerardi and Rios and Musiker and Seven in the past, you know? Yeah. And I, I think I would still probably enjoy that stuff somewhat, but my God, that finale is <laughs> wretched. Just wretched. Yeah, so I don't really know what happened to the whole Gerardi collective. I don't know what they're I don't know what's going on there, well, Bob. Do you remember that there was some sort of nebulous gateway at the end of yeah, the season yeah. two finale? But it was one of those things with the Borg, like the Borg gateway. Yeah, like a transwarp uh, corridor, yeah. I think they call it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the the idea is that Gerardi and her rogue Borg are supposed to, like, they join the Federation, but they're also supposed to basically be the guardians at the gate. I believe that's actually her line. And so they're just, yeah, that's, I guess that would be the in-universe reason for why we don't see them in the season is that she's like Heimdall at the gate. Yeah, she's Heimdall. She's, you know, she's Idris Elba in the Thor movies. She's just chilling there, uh, <laughs> protecting the transwarp corridor. Okay. There was definitely, <laughs> this, 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 this was all definitely planned out, Bob, from season one. Oh yeah, no, clearly that there was a, there was a very in-depth plan and season one <laughs> led to season two, led to season three. It wasn't, it wasn't that they just played Mad Libs each season and every time somehow the answer was Borg. It's like they kept drawing names out of a hat, but they kept putting the one they drew out back in the hat each time. And yeah, we got to go back to Borg. Yeah. (laughs) Shit, we got Borg again. If only there was a way we could do something different. (laughs) I think I sent you this meme, but you know that famous meme where like dad's coming home from work and like the kids are all hiding behind the door with like knives out? Yeah. Yeah. So there was a great version of that meme where dad coming home from work is just labeled as Picard just trying to get with his Romulan housekeeper. (laughs) And then uh, behind the door, the kids with the knives are labeled season one Borg, season two Borg, (laughs) season three Borg. (laughs) So I will say as much as I'm disgusted by the presence, uh, disgusted and exhausted by the presence of the Borg in the show again, I did actually really like Jack's line to the board queen of there's a voice in my head. I always thought it was yours. It was hers, their queen. Uh, rather, it's her. It's Jack talking to his mother or talking about his mother, Bev. It's it's great. Yeah, well, it, it's it's his queen now, Bob. And I, I will say that this clears up a plot hole from first contact and that Picard was able to hear the calls of the board without the implants. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a pretty good thought. I ha- I hadn't considered that, but you're right. So, like, you know, we find out that not only did the Borg assimilate Picard, you know, back in Season 3 and Next Gen, but they also rewrote his genetic code. And so while they were able to remove the uh, implants, they weren't, you know, they, they didn't detect the genetic alterations. It somewhat does uh, reduce my annoyance that, oh, you know, last week I was saying, yeah, so are we supposed to believe that Picard's semen just have a lot of Borg nanites <laughs> in them? <laughs> a lot of Borg nanoprobes, I think they were calling them on Voyager. And turns out, no, it's just it's genetic alteration. So it does raise another question, though, that I was kind of annoyed at the show for not pursuing. Do you think this, like, genetic alteration and this heritability of, like, Borgness would this also apply to other ex-Borgs, like specifically Seven of Nine, who's, you know, somewhat prominently in the show, even though they kind of shove her to the background? Or is it just that they only did this to Picard because, like, Locutus was meant to be something special? Bob, he's so special they gave him a goddamn name. It's a good insight from Captain Shaw. A good yeah. insight. That's a good question, though, about the ex-Borgs, Bob. And I'd like to think they would have the same problem like with their offspring, 
But it would would it remain dormant until the until they were needed by the collective? Yeah, yeah. It's also kind of interesting that even though like Picard and presumably like Seven are altered by the Borg at a genetic level, they're not responding to this call. You know, like I get that the call that is assimilating all the other is only supposed to work on like young Starfleet people. Right. But it's it's kind of interesting that it, it doesn't work on older X-Borg when you think it might, you know. But it seemed to affect Seven and Nine at one point. Yeah, she seemed like disoriented and uncomfortable, yeah. Yeah. And I guess she also has like, she still has limited Borg implants, unlike Picard, right? So that maybe right. that makes her a little different too. I guess to switch subjects, man, what did you uh, think of the Enterprise F? I To me, it looked like a weird hybrid of like the Sovereign, Galaxy, and Intrepid classes, which is the, the last is like the class of Voyager, if people don't remember. Memory Alpha didn't have a class name for it, I, so I, I wasn't particularly impressed. I, I mean, I guess it does look better than the Enterprise D. Memory Alpha didn't have a class name, but I will say that there are two sources that have it as an Odyssey class. One is Star Trek Online, which I, I know you don't give a shit about, but... <laughs> yeah, that's true. That, that That is correct. That shit's supposed to be canon. I don't know. But also the, the Picard like logs that Paramount put out before the season, and we've referred to them a yeah. couple of times. He does mention yeah. it's an Odyssey class. So, But to me, it looks way more intrepid because it has Voyager's curvature underneath the saucer. That makes sense. You're correct that I don't care about uh, Star Trek Online. But I, I did vaguely know that, like, the Enterprise F, I think commanded by Data, is an important yes. part of STO. But I, I didn't realize that, like, we were going with, like, visually the same ship. That's kind of interesting that they made that call. Yeah. Strangely enough, I mean, even though Star Trek Online is a video game, it's a massive multiplayer online thing, whatever, they do try to keep it canonical, which I, I, I appreciate. I mean, it's kind of interesting because it doesn't it, – it goes into, like, we're in the, what, the early 25th century now with Picard? Yeah. To, it goes a little further into the 25th century, the STO timeline, right? Yes. But, I mean, it has a lot of, like, time travel type plots and shit that, you know, just uh, plots aren't really affecting the whole galaxy or anything like that. Oh, uh, okay. It'll just be interesting to see if it doesn't get superseded. Like, I don't know. Oh, it will one day. Yeah, because I just don't know how much more time we're going to spend in the early 25th century, like... Are, are we going to have follow-ups I, I, to the to Picard? I don't know. Just to give you an idea, though, Star Trek Online was first put out in 2010. Wow. Wow. So I didn't realize it was that yeah. old. Yeah. So we're talking <laughs> 13 years of people playing this game, and it's still going. Wow, that's nuts. This, this is a first for, like, having something on television and in movies and in video games going on, like trying to make sure they're all connected. You don't see that yeah. often. Although there's no, there's not really any Star Trek movies right now. But well, I, I know, I, but I mean, yeah, I, we, I, uh, yeah, I mean, eventually yeah, maybe. But I'm saying, yeah, yeah. eventually maybe. Yeah, but I, no, I take I take your point, and it is. I think that's that sort of like transmedia regularity. It seems to much more be like characteristic of the new Star Wars. Than, yes. So it's it's interesting to see Star Trek kind of move that way, where we we want to try and make the video games and the novels like more tightly fitted fitted into the canon. Yeah, it, it will forces you to participate if you want to know the whole story. <laughs> oh, they're uh, they're delusional if they think they're gonna get old Bob playing STO. <laughs> get the book, get the video game, get everything. You'll miss out if you don't. 
I mean, I did. You, you heard that they announced the Starfleet Academy show, right? Oh yeah, that may be the first Star Trek show I don't watch. <laughs> Maybe it'll be like Community. To, to, to go to something else that makes me angry and sad. So we get another big character return. Uh, we get to see uh, Commander Shelby, who you may remember as uh, Riker's badass XO from Best of Both Worlds. But now she's Admiral Shelby. Uh, you know, and it's delightful to see her. But A, it should be noted the actress is really old. Not that that's a problem. Just it, it's interesting. Uh, B, uh she kind of comes off as a total moron, which is unfortunate. Like, she spends a lot of time praising the NX-01, which is somebody who doesn't like the show Enterprise. Didn't make me happy. And also, despite the fact that in the best of both worlds, she's presented as very competent, very hard-nosed, and very expert at the Borg, you know, she decides it would be a great idea to just link the whole fleet up. <laughs> and Riker points this out, which makes it even better. Like, he points out how ironic it is that Shelby's celebrating the synchronization of a fleet. You know, a technology that is very similar to the collective itself. And then, like, like you said, you know, Shelby did first, first period in Best of Both Worlds, where she was desperately trying to climb the greasy pole of Starfleet Command, which, I mean, she, I guess she apparently did. And I mean, it's re- it's relatable to you in your personal life. Yeah. <laughs> I know you, uh, you, you also are very committed to that greasy pole. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It's fun climbing me, greasy poles. hey uh <laughs> One of the thing, one of the reasons I'm very fond of Shelby. I mean, I do think she's great in Best of Both Worlds. But did you ever read any of the New Frontier novels? I did. Yeah, she she plays a pretty prominent role in those. Yeah, yeah, she's the executive officer, and then later a captain in those novels. And they're they're kind of trashy soap opera novels. There's you know they're Star Trek novels written by Peter David, but I really enjoy them. I really enjoy Shelby in in those, and so uh, it kind of pains me to see her you know played as a moron and a bad moral. Yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. I guess I needed somebody. They had to shove a guest star in there. Yeah, yeah. Which, again, continues my theory that Tasha Yar should just be enraged. Or, sorry, Denise Crosby, the actress who plays Tasha Yar, should just be enraged. <laughs> like, everybody comes back, but not you. Yeah. <laughs> so, did all those space fireworks above the newly synchronized fleet, did that feel a little too Star Wars-y for you? Yeah, that was some Return of the Jedi shit. I didn't like that. It was yeah, cheesy. Yeah. It was very cheesy. It was very cheesy. And again, to go back to the NX-01 a little bit, if you were a non-human in the Federation, wouldn't it be pretty annoying to hear so much about the NX-01? Wouldn't you want to praise like the first actual Starfleet ship that actually had an integrated crew, not just a bunch of annoying humans in ugly uniforms with one Vulcan? Like, I'm just saying. Bob, everyone just needs to know what a long road it was getting from there to here. You got to start at the there, Bob. Clearly, my complaints lack faith of the heart, Matt. That's the that's the obvious thing here. Your complaints sound very woke, Bob, and I'm going to call Fox News on you. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, I, I I love how I alternate. Sometimes I outwoke you, and sometimes I anti woke you. It's, you, ne- you never know what you're going to get with me, Matt. I'm uh, I'm like a boxer. I'm very unpredictable. Yeah. <laughs> I did really enjoy the queen has a beautiful line to Jack about when she's describing the humans and the other Federation species as those who live like shattered glass. I, I really like that line. Yeah, I mean, it was perfect because it describes like why the changelings in the board dislike the humans so much. Uh, but well, I got to ask you, would our society be better off if we acted as a collective? 
Well, Matt, uh, I'm, I'm going to give you another woke answer, and I'm going to say yes. Exactly <laughs> yes, it would be. Uh, because if we acted as a collective, we wouldn't be staring down nuclear war and the climate apocalypse. I'm just saying. You mean having a society where we take care of each other and make sure that everybody is efficiently off enough to provide for themselves and their families? Yes, Matt, I, I think that would be nice. And you know, by that, I mean, I don't want anybody to have any individuality or any freedom or any separate identity. I just want everyone to be subsumed into a machine. Okay. Makes sense, Bob. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the goal of, of, uh, of socialists right there. <laughs> I, I was gonna actually ask if you were disappointed because at first my understanding was that the Borg were just manipulating the changeling and I, the changelings. And I was going to ask if you were kind of disappointed that we didn't get a chance to see a full on Borg changeling alliance. But I, I guess I came to realize as the episode goes on, I guess we actually were seeing a full Borg changeling alliance. Like it seems like Captain Vedic knew who she was working with and that she was oh, working yeah. with the Borg, which I don't know. I'm of two minds. Like, is it kind of disappointing that we know we don't see a changeling and a Borg in the same frame together? Or are they such like different designs and different species that it it's best that we don't, it's best that we treat it like the changeling are step one and the Borg are step two. I wanted to see the Borg assimilating the changelings. <laughs> yeah, that would have been interesting. My, my goal in life is to see a Cardassian Borg. Are you, are you sure you never there was never like a Cardassian Borg like in the the background of Voyager or something? There had to have been. I'll be damned. Yeah. There was one in Voyager. Remember, Bob? I didn't watch that show. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Actually, this says Ducata Borg. Maybe this is fake. I don't know. Anyway, it is fake. I will say that on the one hand, I'm a little distressed that we didn't see the changeling get assimilated by the Borg. We didn't see the Borg changeling. On the other hand, I don't know that I actually would have wanted to see it. You know, it would have been, I like that the, the possibility for that to look stupid would have been very high. I don't know how it would work. Cause all the, the changelings wouldn't be able to utilize their powers if they have all the tech connected to them. Yeah. Like it would be, I wonder like if there would be a way and obviously neither of us are visual designers and this conversation shows it, but like, <laughs> <laughs> I want Borg, metal on mud <laughs> yeah yeah it's like i want i want to i want a puddle with cybernetic implants can you do it yeah. for me I'm, I'm elon musk yelling at a twitter engineer <laughs> there you go <laughs> uh, so you know matt i'm gonna keep the woke theme of this uh this episode going it's not going to be like our discussion of uh the the season finale of discovery where i got very anti-woke yeah but i'm gonna i'm gonna keep the woke theme of this episode going and just say like the Borg assimilating every Starfleet under 25 is like such baby boomer fucking bullshit. They're literally like realizing the right wing trope about the woke mind virus and like, you know, everyone under 30 being insane because uh, they don't want to live in a capitalist hellscape that uh, <laughs> perpetuates racism and apocalypse. Oh God, this, this made me so angry. And then you very astutely pointed out the real reason for this. It's not that, uh, it's not that the Picard writers hate the children. They have a different agenda entirely. Yeah. I'm glad they explained it with like the whole prefrontal cortex not being fully developed until like, I think it is the age of 25. 
I mean, that, that makes sense because then, okay, that's why they can't control. At least they gave some kind of scientific reason. It's not a great reason, but I'll take it. It's better than just saying like, oh, all the actors that, you know, we want to see saving the day are older. So let's, uh, all the youth of the entire world, you know, Borg. But what's the real reason they did it, Matt? You know, the other reason, I think for budgetary constraints, Bob, because they didn't want to have to like go and get all those Borg costumes and put all those Borg implants on people. So they just had the younger actors just put like, you know, green lines on their face and call it a day. Yeah. When you told me this, I was really angry at myself that I didn't realize that that's what they were doing. It was just like, oh, I'm such a rube. I'm getting played by these anti-woke hucksters. Yeah. Such a rube. <laughs> you did have a good point, though, that this does somewhat recontextualize what Vatic was doing in a prior episode. Yeah. In the in the previous episode, she holds, you know, she's holding the, the bridge crew hostage and at first she has the phaser pointed at Ensign Kova and mm. she then immediately changes it like at the last second or to a uh, Lieutenant Taveen. And I'm pretty sure Lieutenant Taveen, you know, with her rank being higher, she also looks a little older than Ensign Kova. So I'm just going to assume that in- Lieutenant Taveen was probably over the age of 25 and would not have been affected. Yeah. Although it does raise a kind of interesting question since the, you know, the, Again, it's a stupid idea, but if we run with it for a moment, the idea is that, like, it, you know, the Borg virus can take hold, you know, up until your brain is fully developed. And so that would obviously be different for different species. So for a human, it would be under 25, but it's kind of funny to think about for a Vulcan, that might mean like under 50 or something. Yeah. If they had a, an Okampa in Starfleet, you know, they, they could, they, it only, only at six months. After six months, it doesn't work. <laughs> Oh man! So after the Borg take over the ship, Bob, they kill they kill my girl Shelby Matt, which was a uh, uh, distressing to me. I mean, just bang bang dead, and then the which, screen goes I blank. I don't mind killing her. It's just I I wish she didn't have to look like a moron before she died. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I I learned well. There is interesting that we get another ship blown up. Uh, it's the Excelsior, you know, the namesake of uh, the famous ship from the Star Trek movies. But did you notice uh, what ship it was that was one of the ones that killed the Excelsior? Apparently it was the Hakuru Sulu. Yep, that's what, you know, that was the one thing on a on a chart that I actually did notice this season. That was the one thing that was in big enough font that my old man eyes could actually point out. As a, oh man, the Hakuru Sulu killed the Excelsior. That's kind of funny. Another little detail, so I I know this because I suffered through the season two finale because of my commitment to you and the listeners, Matt. The last we knew about Elnor, you know, Picard's Romulan elf helpmate from the first two seasons of Picard, the last we knew of him, he was on the Excelsior, so he might be dead. So, got an update on this, Bob. Terry Metalis, you know, the showrunner? Yeah, yeah. Dude made sure to let everybody know that Elnor was not on the Excelsior. (laughs) Uh, uh. Well, I, I wish he could have put that level of thought into literally anything else about this. <laughs> so uh, there you have it, Bob. Eleanor's still yeah. alive somewhere. Yeah. Although we, we barely even saw him get resurrected in the season two finale, because if you remember early in season two, he dies. 
and then actually because Rios stays in the past, although he doesn't know he's doing this, but because Rios stays in the past, Q has enough energy to resurrect Elnor and send him back to the Excelsior, thus fulfilling Raffi's request that she was screaming at Q earlier in the finale. Well, there you go. Yeah. And then, Matt, we uh, we suffer an even greater loss after the, the possible but now denied loss of Elnor. I, I just don't know how to say it, Matt. They killed our fucking boy. They fucking killed him. Yeah, they killed Shaw, Bob. Why? I, I thought, I the way the scene was playing out, I thought Musiker was going to sacrifice herself in the scene. Which also and, would have been terrible. For the yeah, record. that would have been bad, but I don't think it would have been as equally as bad. It, it would remove all the season one and season two characters from the plot. So, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, except for Seven. Oh, yeah, but she's been around since Voyager. Yeah, the new characters. Basically, the show already does that, right? It like kills Shaw, and then it's, as I understand it, Seven and Musiker are stranded still on the Titan. Yes. And so only our geriatric nostalgia cast makes it to the Fleet Museum. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refer to them from here on out as our geriatric nostalgia yeah. cast. I feel like that's more accurate. The Boomer Brigade. <laughs> the Boomer Brigade, yeah. The Boomer Brigade, going to save us from the woke mind virus. Yeah. Don't need help from the PTSD engineer or the Black XO. They're yeah. doing it themselves. I, we, we both really wanted a Shaw... Seven and you know, Musiker could have been in it too. That would have been fine. We really wanted them, them on the Titan. That would have been a great show. And I don't know. I saw some theories that maybe they'll still do that show, and just the early part of the show would be like them resurrecting Shaw. But that sounds dumb as hell. I don't know if they would actually do it. Yeah, I'm I mean, but you don't. I'm just, very angry. Ugh, I don't want the show to start that way. I also, this this just popped in my brain, Bob. I also don't want him to become a Borg. Ugh. Oh, that would like the entire point of Shaw is like, yeah, no, that like that, that just totally like because they did that great backstory for him, and that just totally cheapens it, you know? Exactly. But it they really make it look like it's some kind of redemption piece. Now he must live as a blue. God. <laughs> I I don't think that's happening, but I'm just throwing that out there that that maybe what that that could be the yeah. direction they do go at some point. You know, I was going to say that I I didn't want them to go back to the Enterprise D, but at least I thought she looked pretty in the dark. But I don't even I'm not even going to say that anymore. Fuck this show. I hate this show. Could you think they're going to resurrect Charlotte Borg? It just popped yeah. in there. Sorry. <laughs> they also like they killed they killed my boy. They killed Shaw. They killed my girl Shelby. They just wrote Seven and Musiker off the show. Like, yeah. oh, this show is so bad. It's so bad. Oh, yeah. Why? I, I told you. I fucking told you. I told you that this show was going to suck. You didn't believe me. You're like, no, Bob. The first six episodes have been so good. And I'm like, yeah. you're right, Matt. But remember, Bob, it's going I, to suck. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm still I'm still excited about the next next episode, Bob, unlike you. But I, I think oh. you're – I'm still, I'm still going to hang out for it. But you know what? We knew the Enterprise D was going to be there. We knew that from the get-go. They had I, to bring I, that ship back. You know they I were going to do know it. it. I, I thought there was a strong possibility, but I was praying that they would have restraint and taste and not go there. 
And I like the in-universe reason for having to recover the saucer section from Viridian 3. You know, the Prime Directive. They can't leave it, like, sitting there. Were there was there actually an alien? Or I guess, well, I don't think the aliens were on that world, but I think they were in another world in the I'm system. I'm sure, though. Is that yeah, right? It, it, yeah. I'm just saying, they can't, they gotta, they gotta pick up their shit and get it. So that's what they got it. And then... The only, th- the only thing that good that could come out of this is they should do an episode in Lower Deck Season 4 where, like, Jordy guest stars and, like, the Cerritos has to help him, like, harvest the saucer section off of <laughs> 3. That could, be, that could be a really good episode. Okay, you need to, like, tweet that shit because that could actually be a really funny episode. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I texted you during the, uh, during the actual episode, Bob, when I was watching... They were sucking their own dicks way too long while the Borg are tearing up Earth. Yeah, it was like Jordy's just forgot that he lost his two girls because he's just so happy to have his first daughter back. <laughs> and he's just happy showing off his like his like you know passion project he's had in the garage for years. You know. Oh man, I, I, we also learned that apparently, although I, I guess you're going to correct me with something from the Picard logs, but apparently Worf blew up the Enterprise E, and everybody else is a little salty about it. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, Worf did do something. I, I don't know if he blew up the E, but he did something to the E that had him kicked off of it. It was a Krylor Prime. That's that. That's based on what the Picard log said. Okay, I uh, will say I I hated this. I hated the nostalgia. I was still I I was and still am furious about what they did to Shaw and Shelby. But the Picard line did kind of crack me up that it's only at this moment, reunited with all of you, that I realized what I missed the most, the carpet. All right, Bob. So that brings us to uh, the end here. How's the show going to end? Terribly. I mean, you've got a starship two generations uh, behind, you know, because we've already had the E and the F, so... We're talking old school technology here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's crewed by 40 years seven old. people. 40 years old. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's supposed to have hundreds of people crewing it. <laughs> right. Just for the record. Like, I think I think the D regularly carried a thousand people, although not all those people were crew. Some of them were passengers. But yes, <laughs> seven people. <laughs> they're all 72. That's important. Yeah. Yeah. They're all really old as well. And they're up against an entire fleet of ships that are, you know, synchronized now. There's going to be a, a, something going on here, Bob. My, my money is on Jack is going to use like the organic parts in his body of Beverly and Picard to some kind of like overcome the assimilation into uh, Locutus number two, and he'll redirect the fleet. My vague prediction is that this episode was sort of like best of both worlds part one, but with the stakes raised and like with the inversion that instead of like the wolf three, five, nine battle, you have the, um, you have like the fleet taken over. Right. Yes. And so my theory is that they'll try and do basically just best of both worlds part two, where if I remember that episode, they basically, they kidnap Picard back and they, you know, kidnap Locutus back and they find out some way to use him to do an override code. And so, I would guess that they would do something similar with Jack as Vox and they would, you know, they would put some twist on it to up the stakes and make it not just a pure repetition. That would be my guess of how this resolves. Okay, Bob, now here's my question. Here's my huge theory. Mm-hmm. It just came to me this morning, actually. Hit me. Oh, oh, oh. Inspiration always comes to Matt in the morning. All right, Bob, how did all these people end up with the uh, Borg DNA? The transporter, so they'll use the transporter to reverse it. Now, Bob, do you know a transporter chief who could do that? 
which would prove him to in fact be the most important man in Starfleet history. Yeah, yeah. For those who don't know, we see a statue of Miles O'Brien at the end of a Lower Decks episode. Saying that he was the most important Starfleet <laughs> officer in history. I actually, no, I, I know you came up with that independently. I saw somebody on Twitter have a, have a similar theory. I, I like that theory. If I don't think it's true, if it were to actually be true, it would maybe solve a lot of my, my rage, at the, my current rage at the show. So, so not only would we solve the problem with the fleet, we'd also solve the issue with people having this everything's back to normal we've had all our everyone's come back at some point except for your shaw shaw will get resurrected probably not shelby or roe but at least we'll get our sweet boy shaw back shaw will most likely end up with girardi collective another another interesting point i think you texted me that was that's a good point in hindsight even though i still hate this episode is it is kind of cool in hindsight rose uh Rose's fear of the transporter and refusal to use it in her episode. It, it is kind of interesting to see that, you know, to get that contextualized by this episode. Oh, yeah. There, there's been some hints along the way. Just we didn't know what they were about till now. Mm-hmm. All right, Bob. So let's, let's hit character of the week here. Yeah, Matt. Who is your character of the week this week? Goes to Alice Krieg, who voiced the Borg Queen. And then I, I'll, I'll give my character of the week to the carpet. That's, okay. the, that's the only thing I want to recognize this week. I will say, Matt, have you seen, this is one last question. Have you seen a lot of negative reaction to this online? Not really, no. I haven't either. Uh, a buddy of mine says he feels like I and a bunch of other mentally ill people, I'm not sure if he includes me in that category, but I and a bunch of other mentally ill people are really spun up about it. But I haven't seen that many people spun up about it in I don't know. It's it's just an interesting thing where I feel like this disconnect from the Star Trek fan base. It, I, I compare it to, I mean, I think you were more with me on this earlier moment than this moment, but like our hatred for that, that prodigy episode where they used all the recordings of the dead cast members. Oh yes. That, that was not okay. Yeah. And I just find like, I, obviously this doesn't like offend me on as a, as visceral a level as that did. But I, I do find this to just be similar to that in that they're both just nostalgia done really poorly. And I'm just amazed at how many of our fellow Star Trek fans are just all about it. They're like, yes, yes, I love this allegory about how fucking Zoomers and millennials are infected with a woke mind virus that's um, <laughs> that's making them insane and that, you know, only geriatric 70-year-olds can save us. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, Bob. It's just a little nostalgia trip is what it is for me at this point. It's like, oh, wow. Look at there. There it is again. There's the Enterprise D. The whole the whole crew's there. That's been the big problem with, Star, with the new Star Trek is it's just been so nostalgia-driven. It hasn't done anything new. And even, like, the best two shows, Strange New Worlds and Lower Worlds. Decks. Yeah, well, Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks are exquisitely nostalgic, but they are at least well done. Yes. Whereas, like... Picard and Prodigy and to a lesser extent Disco are all saturated with nostalgia too, but they just do it terribly. <sighs> all right. I'm, I'm sad. I, you said this <laughs> off, Matt. All right, Bob. Well, we will be covering the final episode of Picard next week. Look forward to uh, reviewing that with you, Bob. Hmm. <laughs> all right. We'll see you next week, folks. Thanks for listening. <laughs>